Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel. Joey, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Raphael Devers is a rich man. Raphael Devers is a rich man indeed. The Red Sox did it. The Red Sox actually did it. Raphael Devers will be in Boston for the rest of his career. 11 years, 331 million. I did not see this coming, but I am very happy that it happened. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I was I was being so negative when those first reports came out, when Carlos Baerga was saying 11 for 330. I was like, there's no way the Sox would commit that much money to Devers. They view him as a first baseman, a DH, whatever. But boy, I was proven wrong, and I'm so happy I was wrong. They had to pay someone. It only took them about four and a half years. I still don't even believe that it happened. It it, it feels me fake neither. to me. It feels I'm not real. I'm still waiting for this to turn into a whole Carlos Correa situation. Yeah, it'd be awesome if they could go ahead and make that official like ASAP. Yeah, um, can, we, can we get that press conference like tomorrow, please? So I can seriously like I'm legitimately but, bugging about that because it it would be the first the, the first time the Red Sox do something right, something goes wrong or it falls through or whatever. Hopefully that's I mean, not the case. That would be very Red Sox for it them would. to be like, guys, we signed our big star. Oh, wait, this happened. It fell through and he's off to the Mets or the Dodgers or wherever. But let's be optimistic for for a minute here. Um, as of now, we locked up the face of our franchise, our star, for the first time that I can remember. I mean, we talked about it for the past few years. Mookie Betts gone, Zayn Bogart's gone, um, and it was like if you're not gonna pay Rafael Devers, then what's the point of any of this? What's the point of training Mookie if you're not gonna pay Rafael Devers? And they actually paid Rafael Devers giving fans some kind of sense of direction, some kind of sense that the the franchise actually cares about their players. To some degree, obviously, this doesn't make everything better. Obviously, it sucks that Xander's gone and the Mookie Betts trade still stings. But for right now, um, I think it brings fans back onto the Red Sox. Like It, it brings them back to a, a state where they want to watch this team because – no one wanted to watch this season with the the questions around Rafael Devers. Is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? Are we going to trade him at the deadline? Is he going to resign? What's going to happen? Eliminating those questions and locking him up uh, is just a breath of fresh air for Red Sox fans during this season watching the team play. Yeah, it's it's more so a sense of relief than it is pure joy. Like obviously, we're over the moon that Rafi's been extended and that he's going to be here forever, but. It's it's more that we're relieved because we can finally go into a season without a dark cloud looming over the entire thing because last season was such a disaster in large part to the whole Bogart situation. Uh, we saw in all the reports he was just he was legitimately depressed going through that yeah. that last season. He was he was not himself, you know, wasn't speaking to the media sometimes just just really sad because he knew that there was a sense of almost kind of impending doom that he wasn't going to be around. And there was just no way the Red Sox could go through that again, because I think we forget that like on paper last year's team was pretty good. They, you know, one of the best lineups. It should have been, 
It should have been. It should have been definitely on paper. And they can never really get going. Like, obviously, they were they played well up until June 28th. Then it all went to crap. But um, it kind of snowballed out of control at that point because there was just no real clubhouse energy, even when they were playing well. People were still thinking about the whole Bogart situation and whatnot. There's just no way the Sox could have done it again this year. And it came down. We talked about it last episode. You either have to extend them or trade them. And thank God they picked the extension yes. route because I don't. I I legitimately don't know what I would have done if they had not extended Ravi. I thought. I mean, about I I was mentally preparing for it. I thought that it was going to happen. I was. I too. We were going to see. I, Red Sox are trading Rafael Devers to the blah, blah, blah. And it was just all going to happen all over again because it's happened that way for the past few guys. Yeah, I um, I mean, when I had zero faith, I, I had no faith. Yeah, but you you really had no reason to have any faith. The Red Sox were giving you nothing to latch mm-hmm. on to, no reason to have hope. Uh, and that's another wa- reason why I think this move is huge in so many ways is because it gives Red Sox fans some hope that, okay, the Red Sox aren't just totally oblivious to everything going on. They're not ignoring the fans. They're not ignoring um, trying to contend. The fact that they actually dished out $330 million for Rafael Devers is a huge statement thing um, because you're not going to give a guy $330 million and then not surround him with other good players. Like if you're not trying to contend, you're not going to make that deal. You have to surround him with other players. And it, it may not be this year. This year could be a year where they want to be under the luxury tax and kind of see what they got in some prospects like Bayo and Casas. Um, and that's okay because looking at the free agent classes coming up, you got guys like Juan Soto and Vlad Guerrero and Tyler Glasnow and a whole bunch of big names, Brandon sure. Woodruff. Ohtani. Shohei Otani, exactly. You don't necessarily need to be all out this year. And it, it kind of sheds some light on a potential path, a potential future for the Red Sox. You get Rafael Devers. He's obviously your core piece right there. Um, and then you hope that Tristan Casas and Brendan Bayo and, and some of these guys, or Brian Bayo, some of these guys are going to become studs for you. And then the team kind of starts to come a little bit clearer in the picture, uh, what we're looking at here for the next few years. And I, I, this Rafael Devers signing, really gave me a lot of optimism for the future. I kind of could understand where the Red Sox could be going. I don't know if the Red Sox know what they're doing and have a path, but I see a path for them. I, I see a realistic series of events over the next year or two um, where they can get back to being a, a very competitive team. Um, and again, overall, like the fact that they were willing to spend $330 million is a very good sign um, that they're willing to spend – and they're not a super small market team. Yeah. The, the uh, Oakland A's aren't going out and signing their star player for $330 million. So yeah. I, I, that alone kind of brings us back into the big market team, or at least not a small market team. Yeah. And we've been begging really since 2019, but we've been stressing it the past couple episodes. We've just been begging the Red Sox to pick a direction or define a direction that, in which they're going. And this definitely kind of gives us an idea because now you have your your cornerstone piece you have Raphael Devers you pick the you pick the guy you're going to build around and you know they picked the right guy when we think yeah. about it with Bogart's endeavors if you had to pick one they picked the right guy and sure. now with these prospects coming up and um you know maybe a potential 
trade with the Marlins that we can get into later, you can kind of start to see what they're thinking, what their mindset is, because they have young players coming up and um, they're really hoping that this rotation can get young and can get good really quickly um, with Whitlock and Bayo. It's just a lot more easing to know that they may not have, they're not executing it perfectly. Like this off season is still probably like a C grade, but not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it hasn't been great, but at least you can kind of see, I think it's more of a 2024 type thing when I, I think we could see this come together. I think it could be something like 2015. If you remember, we had guys like Mookie playing every day. We had our core coming up and Benny, like, we won the division the next year, but in 2015, we finished under 500. But at, at the end of the season, we felt pretty good because we could all see what they were building. And I hope that's what this upcoming season is like. And I also hope that this upcoming season is just going to be fun to watch because last year was not. Was not. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, no, I think that 2015 comparison is good. I, I think we're kind of at the beginning of a new era of the Red Sox, like a new age. You go through waves of players, different player groups, different prospect groups. Um, like you mentioned, you had Mookie Betts, um, Andrew Benintendi, and some of those guys kind of surfaced at the same time um, with, obviously, cornerstone players like David Ortiz and Dustin Majori on the team. And now, Rafael Devers is like that cornerstone, pl- cornerstone player with other guys like Casas, um, Nick York, maybe Marcelo Mayer in the future coming up. And they're kind of going to be the new age of the Red Sox, the new players that make up our team. So I think that's kind of what we're moving into here, which makes me feel a little bit better about the moves or the lack of moves, um, such as J.D. Martinez signing elsewhere, letting Nate Evaldi go. Uh, and I mean, the list goes on in that that regard, but it makes me feel a little bit better about that. I mean, like you said, this offseason still isn't great. Like, I still wish we did still have Nate Evaldi. Um, and made a few more moves. I hope there's some trades coming. There needs to be some trades coming. But again, like I really do see kind of a, a vision for the Red Sox, um, which makes me optimistic. I, For me personally, before this, this extension happened, I was looking at this upcoming season like, man, I don't know if I even want to watch this team. Like there's just nothing appealing about this team. The lineup is not good. There's holes in the pitching staff. We don't know if our star player is going to be here next year. It was not looking like it was going to be a fun season to watch. Um, And not a whole lot changed going into this season now after the extension, but it does bring me back a little bit. Like it, it really is so much easier to watch the team without the looming doom of not knowing what's going to happen to your star player. It, it just, it's going to be a lot easier now with that kind of out of the way. Um, and from a front office standpoint, from a business standpoint, that was the biggest priority. That was the top of the list right there. So crossing that off, checking that box, getting that done now allows you to move on, move your focus to other things like, okay, let's think about a trade with the Marlins and try to get another pitcher and maybe an infielder. Let's fill that shortstop gap. Let's look at some of our prospects here and see who would possibly trade in a deal for a big name guy. It really takes some pressure off of them getting that that giant thing that that the elephant in the room out of the way. Absolutely. And then um another thing is like <clears throat> it it's just going to be so much more 
this season isn't going to be a very exciting one, at least based off of expectations. But like th- this is going to end up being a watchable team. You you know you know that things aren't going to implode after the season ends. It, that's just like a really calming thing for me because while this team may not be that good, we might see as the season goes on that they they begin to build something, which is something I'm excited for. I think that um, if they, I mean, if they play their hand right, they could definitely finish over 500. I, I don't think that's out of the question. And that's the, the biggest issue though, is that just that there's so many ifs on this team. Like if Whitlock stays healthy, if mm-hmm. Bayo takes a next step, if sale stays healthy. Yeah. If Chris sale can do anything at all. Yeah. Like if that, James Paxton is actually on the I team have with this team right now, like we have a lot of, I don't know. It's just a lot it's of just question marks, question marks. It's you'd, it would take the perfect storm for this team to really like make the playoffs. Um, well, another- I don't, I don't think the goal is to win the world series. I don't think no. that any, any no. fan, any person in the organization sees that as the goal. Like after a last place finish, after losing Bogarts, JD, Evaldi, all that. No one's like, all right, this team's got to win the World Series or it's a bust. Like, that's just, Mm -hmm. that's not where the expectations are at. And I think fans have to understand that. Um, If we happen to sneak into a wild card spot, cool. But I really feel like this is going to be like a bridge year. It's going to be a year where we see what we got in some of our younger players and try to build a little bit of team identity for the future, for, for 2024 and 2025 versus going all out this year yeah that was the word i was looking for bridge year and it's Mm -hmm. i think it's abundantly clear because nate is gone um because jd is gone it's it's pretty clear that they're hitting the reset button on the entire 2018 team which is crazy to believe that that era is already over but that's yeah literally who is left from the 2018 team you got matt barnes ryan brazier and rafael devers is that it yeah and in sale, you always forget sale. sale. Yeah, I um, really hope that Chris Sale can stay healthy this year. I it'd be I nice. loved having him on our team when he was alive and well and pitching and yeah. watching that slider. I that would make me happy this season if we can get. He doesn't have to pitch, make every single start, but if we can get like a decent season out of him, um, innings wise, that that'd be really nice. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, and with letting Nate go. Um, it's and bringing in guys like JT and uh Kluber, they're clearly I forgot trying about to, Kluber. <laughs> yeah, they're trying. They're clearly hitting the reset button on just the clubhouse dynamic. I it, it's pretty clear that there's new leadership now with this team. Guys like Kike, guys like Kluber and Kenley and Justin Turner, those are the leaders of this clubhouse now, and um. I think it's something that they had to do after just all the negative energy last year. And um, when Nate signed with Texas, I actually remembered like we released Kevin Plowecki with like a week left in the season, which was one of the most tone deaf moves of the entire season. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Because of how much of a big clubhouse presence he was. And there was so much negative backlash you had guys like Rich Hill and Nathan Navaldi calling out the front office saying this was stupid. Why would you do this? Um, it's so it kind of put the Red Sox in a position where they kind of had to 
had to think about what they wanted the leadership of this team to be in. Uh, they chose to go with in a different direction. And um, I'm actually pretty content with with the guys that they've brought in thus far. Like, I think Justin Turner's a really good clubhouse guy. Kike's been nothing but great. And, um, you know, you just hope that Justin Turner's work ethic can rub off on a guy like Tristan Casas because the sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, I... I definitely complained a lot about the Red Sox only signing guys who are like 36 years old and older, but I'm, I'm happier with it now. Like it makes a little more sense to me, just like you were talking about getting some of those veteran guys in there, those leadership personalities to kind of help mold some of these young guys into big leaguers. Like you said, uh, Justin Turner is a perfect guy to take Tristan Casas under his wing and Corey Kluber was one of the best pitchers in the game for a while. He is a professional dude who knows how to succeed in this league, which is great for uh, Garrett Whitlock, who's starting to become a starter. Uh, Brian Bayo, who is breaking in with a big league club, and all of these different young guys that we have. Kenley Jansen, another professional big leaguer who can help some of the younger guys in the bullpen. It really does make sense to me why we brought those guys in now, and I'm happy that we did because I think it's really going to make an impact on the future of our team and help shape the young stars to become stars. Um, with that being said, though, I don't think that if if the offseason ended today, I still wouldn't be happy. Um, like we mentioned before, I think that you can't stop here. You do need some better players. Like right now, our infield is Costas Devers, Story, Arroyo. Is Arroyo really? I like. I like Arroyo a lot. Like, I think he's a really good player. I don't know if I want him to be our starting second baseman for 160 games. I I don't know. In the outfield, I am all aboard the trade Verdugo train. I love Verdugo as a player, but I think that it would be a great move to trade him um, and get someone who can play a little better defense out in right field and maybe have a little more potential. Yoshida... I compared him They're to Ichiro. They're putting so said, much pressure on him. It's I'm just... putting a lot of pressure on him. I'm saying that he's going to be the best player out of Japan since Ichiro. I think he's going to be an absolute stud, and that is a lot of pressure for a guy who's never played in the U.S. before and is brand new to this team. Um, <laughs> so that's probably not fair, but it'd be cool if it happened. Uh, Kiki and Sanders fine. But, yeah, no, I, I would love another – I'd love the Verdugo trade for another outfielder um, yeah. and another infielder. And then pitching, please. Like, I this rotation – Mm, I don't want to see this rotation pitch yeah, the whole season right now as it is. It's not great. Um, is Michael Walker still a free agent? I think yeah, he is, he right? Is. And, but, so I, I heard Carabas say something. He said that Michael Walker right now is a free agent for a reason. Um, So clearly something's up that's kind of scaring teams away. Yeah. I was I was all aboard like re-signing him but now that he's kind of stayed out there for so long it's a little concerning um but also i like with this team it doesn't make the most sense like if you're just gonna bridge yeah no you're right guys there's no reason to sign Walker. he's technically like too young for what we're looking at because now that we've extended devers you understand why the Sox have brought in these guys that are like 35 36 37 um, it makes sense. They're just, they're, you know, they're not going to be here for a long time, but they're here to serve as role models and bridge the gap to our younger guys. And um, 
shoot <laughs> i i'm lost oh all right go <laughs> Verdugo. yeah that's what i meant to touch on next so i'm also aboard the trade Verdugo train because yoshida the only defensive position that he's going to be able to play is left field and you know you don't really want to put Verdugo out in right field for 120 plus games a season yeah um especially at fenway where right field is basically center field yeah so it, it signing Yoshida really kind of pushed Verdugo out of his position. And you're also getting to the point with him where you have to think about extending him. I think this, this year, maybe next year is the latest that you can really get a value extension for him. So I think you're at the point where you really have to trade him. And he also has good trade value at the moment, especially you can pitch him as a guy that's going to benefit uh, from no shift. I, I just think it makes yeah. too much sense to trade him at this point. And Plus, he's coming off a very hot second half from last year. Absolutely. I, I Yeah, I don't think that he really kind of fits into this team. Um, Which he is fits crazy. into the team right now, kind of, but I don't think he fits into the future of the team. Like I, I don't think he is going to be who people thought he was going to be when he yeah. was a prospect and even when we traded for him. I think he can still be a serviceable major leaguer, but I, I don't think he's going to be an all-star stud type player. Mm-hmm. I think his ceiling is 280, 290 batting average and 20 homers. Basically, yeah, basically he's like Andrew Benatendi, but I, st- I still think Andrew Benatendi has more potential in the tank. Yeah. So I'd say he's like Andrew Benatendi with less potential. He's Andrew Benintendi, who, if Benintendi couldn't hit 300. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know what the trade market the is stuff? like for him, but... Yeah, Have let's talk about the Marlins thing, because that is a trade that I want to do. Well, first off, don't you think Verdugo, like, absolutely fits the Miami lifestyle? He would love like, Miami. <laughs> yeah, he makes too much sense out there. Yeah. But... I, I've seen that the Marlins are shopping guys like Edward Cabrera. Oh, my God. Give me Edward Cabrera on this team right now. That guy is going to be a problem in the future. Yeah. I mean, trading for any kind of young like stud pitcher like that would be awesome. Um, well, he's the one that they're most willing to kind of trade, which is which is odd because I feel like he's the best. It, it's him and Pablo Lopez. They like, they have that kid who is a top 10 prospect. I think Yuri Perez, he's a top 10 prospect. He's like 19. He's going to be a stud. They have six though. They have Sandy. Um, They just have a, an abundance of young, controllable, just nasty pitching. Mm-hmm. And then also Pablo Lopez. But um, I could definitely see the Sox. Obviously, they've been in um advanced like trade talks the past week or so with the Marlins. Um we've been oh, seeing Casas wow. pop up a lot. No, what? I dude, I I am Which not trading Tristan Casas for anyone. And he's also he's not getting traded. Like I I, I will I will put I'm scared my whole I, reputation on that. He is not getting traded. There's nothing to worry about. Knock on wood like, for if the Red Sox trade Tristan Casas, they would have to be getting Sandy in return. That's the way I look at it. I cannot. I don't. I don't but they're not going to do that. that. Neither side would do that. They better not. Uh, they better not. But aside from Casas, you can pretty <laughs> much trade Bayo. anyone you want. Like you're not trading. You're not trading Casas. You're not trading Bayo. 
Um, I doubt you're going to trade Mayer unless you go yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So aside from them, I don't really care what you do. Don't I prefer not to trade Miguel Blaise. Um, but Nick York, yeah, you can toss him on the market. Uh, yeah. Rafaela, yeah. York, um, Rafaela. There's like, some names. We got some good help. prospects that we can trade now. Yeah. And, and I really do want some of these these Marlins pitchers. Edward Cabrera, 24 years old, 6'5", stud. He um, so I did not realize that Pablo Lopez was only 26. I thought he was older than that. So. Me too. I did not realize that either. Yeah, and then Jesus Luzardo is another name. He's 25. Yes. He's a lefty. I, I like Luzardo. I like Luzardo a lot. Um, I like the three names I just said I like a lot. Yeah, I really I would, would love any of them, of them for sure. Um, and then I could a deal that I could see happening is obviously we still have that gap in the infield, and the Marlins have a really good infielder who I don't think will cost much because he is 33 years old, Miguel Rojas. Yeah. He is a very he's a good hitter, um, and he is a very very good fielder, and I feel Elite. like that's the exact thing the Red Sox could use in the and end. And he's a shortstop, which is important because exactly keeping Trevor Story at second base is huge. I do believe that the Red Sox are trying to keep Story at second base. I I do because in these rumors we've been hearing Miguel Rojas as as kind of the throw-in part of the deal. Um and I also believe that that's someone that the Sox don't want to leave the deal without as crazy as that sounds, mm-hmm. but he's a serviceable hitter, you know, slightly below average, but he can get on base. Um but he plays elite defense at shortstop. And I don't think they'd have a problem hitting him ninth and playing him at shortstop for a year. It's perfect. It's so perfect. At this point, I'm all aboard Hassan Kim. He's really good. Um, but I think the Red Sox are just they're it, it it appears that they're just really trying to bridge the gap to Marcelo Mayer, um, which hopefully is just maybe two more years. Um yeah. But yeah, that's kind of the story of this team. The more that I say it, like <laughs> bridging the gap. They're just bridging the gap the whole yeah. way. Like that's the title of this episode, bridging the gap. But they also have to they also have to be aware of these prospects. We say it all the time when we talk about trades. They have just a logjam of prospects on the corner infield um that they really need to consider just flipping, even if it's for nothing special. Like you gotta clear up some space somehow because I, I think a guy like Nick York, he doesn't really have a spot on this team anymore because there's a guy like Arroyo, there's a guy like Story, and Nick York is like really only a second baseman um, who can hit. That's that's his only major league tool is his hit tool. So he's still a first round pick. He's still a highly graded prospect. Like this is the year that they kind of have him. to move on for him from him because. You're gonna you're getting dangerously close to that that point of no return that we crossed with Dahlbeck and Duran, where um those guys' value just absolutely plummets when when they don't produce for more than a year, which yeah. York is coming off of a really bad season after a really good season. Yeah, that I could mean be the guy that the Marlins would take. They would have said it before. Take. They for sure would. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I am big on trading prospects because it's never a guarantee that they're going to work out. Look at so many guys in the Red Sox organization recently. Bobby Dahlbeck, Jaron Duran, Henry Owens, uh, Jay Groom. There is 
it feels like there's been way more prospects that haven't worked out than actually have worked out. It's like trading a lottery ticket for cash. Would you rather have the cash or would you rather have the scratch ticket? Yeah, it just do it. <laughs> yeah, I know please. that I'm Bloom's probably going to cry himself to sleep if he trades a top prospect, but you just got to do it. And I mean, I I'm in love with this Marlins opportunity here. It's such a perfect fit. Like any of these pitchers are perfect fits for the Red Sox. They're young. They have so much potential and they have a little bit of big league success so far. Um, another name too, uh, Trevor Rogers. He is 25 lefty. Also a good yep. option. Um, and again, the, the Rojas fit is perfect for what we need right now. Like it's so this perfect. Makes- I want this trade so bad. The Marlins have an abundance of controllable pitching that they want to offload for for major league ready bats, and the Sox have those bats that they mm, are. I want this trade. Well, like if you if you offer Miami Verdugo, York, Rafaela, you can get a substantial return. And what about Hauk? Are you willing to trade Hauk? Absolutely. I don't think Miami would take him though because they have too many young pitchers. I'd kind of like to keep Hauk, um, at least in that deal. Like you said, I don't think he's the best fit for value in that trade. Yeah. But I, I'm starting to kind of, like I was looking to some of his numbers and his stuff. I'd like to keep Hauk for a little bit to see what he can do in the bullpen. I don't want him to be a starter. I want him in the bullpen because I think his stuff really plays well in the bullpen um, when you're going one, two innings. So I'd prefer to not trade him. At least in that trade. If there's a different trade that pops up for, uh, I don't know, um, Willie Adamas with the Brewers. All right, trade him. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing with Hauk is if you keep him in the bullpen, he he makes that bullpen even more flexible because he's a guy who, like, he does have ninth inning experience. I won't say that he's the best in the world, but he has it, and he's done – pretty decent in those positions, but he can also give you length. Um, And with the bullpen that the Sox are building right now with Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen, Jolie Rodriguez, they, they have something. This this bullpen has potential to be very good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And taking Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen and putting him in the rotation obviously makes the bullpen worse. But I, I think Tanner Howe can be that kind of guy. Obviously not as good as Whitlock, because Whitlock was the best there, there was at it, pretty much. But Howe can kind of be that guy that can that should shut down two innings um, towards the end of the game and toss nasty sliders. And if you're going to have Whitlock in the rotation, I'd like to have a player in the bullpen that can do that. Right now, I don't see another player that we have that can really be that multi-inning um, Swiss Army knife in the bullpen. So I'd like to keep Hauk for that. Um, but, but again, the right deal comes up always, always down to trade prospects. Wow. I I'm going to be dreaming about that Marlins trade. It's so perfect that if they trade, if they do that trade, I would immediately like this off season so much more. Because then you get a, a young pitcher, you fill the gap in the infield, you sign Raphael Devers to extension, you really beef up the bullpen, and you get some veteran leaders. I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that. It would be another step in the right direction exactly. of this new vision that the team has created by extending Devers, building for not the future, but for maybe a year in, down the road. Mm-hmm. You, you treat this as the gap year, and twenty by twenty twenty four, you're ready to go. 
And by making a trade like this, that that just reinforces that that kind of narrative. So yeah, that'd be cool. I really do wonder if that's actually what the Red Sox have in mind. No, maybe we're just wishful thinking right now. Because what I start to think about, um, we haven't really gotten to this, but the kind of what led up to the Rafael Devers deal, how the Red Sox that report they were galaxies apart. We talked about that in our last last episode. Um, John Henry the exact voted I, the Winter Classic. Yeah, I forget the exact numbers of the deal, but it was around two hundred million that the Red Sox. It was were it was ten for two twelve. Two twelve. It was and the then obviously Riley extension. He signed for three thirty one. So somewhere in there, you get a hundred million dollars higher and, and more than that. So that makes me think. Obviously, okay. So like you said, John Henry goes to Fenway for the Winter Classic. Bruins and Penguins gets booed. There's signs that they pay Rafi that get confiscated, and that makes headlines. Um, and, and the Red Sox get a lot of bad press for that. John Henry gets booed like very directly. And then a few days later, the Winter Classic. What day was it? Was it Monday? Um, yes. Monday? 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 Monday. Monday. Devers signed Wednesday. <laughs> so, um, so it, it makes me think that they literally just didn't like how they were getting the bad press. John Henry didn't like how he was getting booed and was like, all right, I'm sign this man right now. Give him 330, whatever. I don't, I don't want these people to be mean to me anymore. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. honestly, I was thinking about this like before this episode. John Henry obviously has been so kind of absent from the public spotlight uh, in Boston. And so he he could have had no idea what fans were thinking about the team. Like genuinely, he could have thought that the Red Sox were doing everything right. He may not even known what Heim was actually doing out there. And then obviously, John Henry owns the Penguins. Um, Fenway Sports Group owns part of the Penguins. All of the Penguins? Uh, I would assume all of it. they own the penguins in some, some regard. Um, so he's like, Oh, look at that. My penguins are playing, uh, in my city in Boston. Let me go watch my team play against the Bruins. And he goes there to watch the penguins and then it gets booed about Red Sox stuff. And he's like, Oh, uh, what's going on with that? Um, and he gets all like flustered and starts like, freaking out and he's like hi sam what's going on I'm like oh all the fans hate us for not signing our stars and he's like all right raffi 330 million because yeah. realistically heim is not magically coming up with a hundred million dollars that's coming directly from ownership that's it, coming from it's john not henry. his call yeah that's coming directly from john henry so realistically i i really think that john henry just kind of didn't like people booing him and so he paid some money for them to stop but which is funny so, i like that so apparently the devers deal was was done by tuesday um, well they they signed him to the the one-year deal for 17.5 or whatever on, to avoid that was on tuesday yeah that was but the day apparently before. the the extension had been agreed on by by that point or, or maybe just after. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting because I also saw that the Red Sox basically in between the extension 
and their offer of 10 for 212, there was really no communication. That was when the report came out that they were galaxies apart because obviously right. 330 and 212, I would define that as a galaxy. Yes. Um, apparently, the Red Sox basically came to the table and upped their offer by over $100 million and they were just like, here. Which is pretty crazy to think because um, I kind of like it. I like that they just decided to be aggressive all of a sudden. But it definitely shows that John Henry probably had something to say about it. Yeah. Um, to bring it back to the point that I initially intended to make here, um, the fact that they kind of reacted like that and they they upped their offer by $100 million so quickly and just kind of reacted like that makes me think that, hmm, was this really part of the plan? Like, do they really know what they're doing? Do they really have a vision for the future? Or were they just like, oh, we're getting a lot, lot of bad press. Let's sign our star here. Like, I don't think you're upping your offer $100 million in a couple days if that was your plan all along. I feel like you'd be playing the long game a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's some negotiation tactic they had. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it, it does make me question, were they really planning this all along? Were they really envisioning their future like this the whole time? Um, if I had to guess, I'd probably say no based on how they've been doing things. Uh, but true. maybe, maybe now that he's signed, they'll kind of start thinking about that and fitting that into their, their Well, plans. now that they, now that they've signed him, no matter what, they're in a position where they, if they want to take that bridge year and really build for 24, they can do it. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be so here for 11 years. Nevers yeah. is here. You don't have to worry about that. No trade clause. Um, no opt outs. He's here. Is it? Yeah. Awesome. Good. I was, I was also, this is how, this is how pessimistic the Red Sox have made me. When that, when that first, when the news broke, I was like, this better be real. And then I, then I immediately went to, he better opt not out after year people. three, opt out after year six. Literally, it, it went to, he better not fail his physical. And then how many opt-outs are there? Because he's absolutely going to opt out and leave. So I yeah. thank God. No, people, people ask me after it happened, like, is this a fair deal? Is it good value? And I say a hundred percent. Yes. It it's is. incredible. Well, yeah, good point is Rafael Devers. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's good value. You want him here. You got to pay him what he wants. The sports but, hub was so funny. The, <laughs> the day this news broke, Felger goes on. He's like, oh, this guy's the seventh heaviest third baseman of all time. What oh, my God. There, People started posting the Pablo Sandoval spring training picture with his gut hanging out. Like, that is Shut not up. what's going on here. <laughs> one of these guys hits piss missiles off of Garrett Cole. And the Seriously. other one. The other one skipped winter weekend because he had the sniffles. They are not the same. Yeah, no. Rafael Devers is elite. Elite. Um, and that's an understatement. But no, I, I it's great value this deal because it's eleven years, but it's not really eleven years because the one year that they signed him to to avoid arbitration, which he would have been under contract for anyways, is part of that deal. So that's this year, and that's part of it. So realistically, it's a 10-year deal, which is good because we don't have him when he's like walking with like a a, a cane. Um yeah. and around 30 million a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh a little yeah. over. I'm yeah, math. Um 
yeah, no, thirty million a year is good. It's not absurd like judges dealers making like forty million or whatever. And think about um, how much thirty million is gonna be at the end of that deal. It's exactly not gonna be much. Yeah, I mean that inflation's gonna be absurd, and thirty million is probably gonna be what it costs to get like a happy meal. I don't know. Um, plus, he's what right now? Twenty six, six, twenty six. Um, so eleven years is still he's thirty seven. Unlike Bogarts, when he's in like his forties and getting exactly like this retirement is, funds. This is how you correctly execute these mega deals in baseball. Like yeah. This offseason, we saw Trey Turner, Bogarts, and um, Correa. They all got deals that are paying them until they're in their 40s. That's like, it's absurd. And that's what turns deals into terrible contracts. Um, with Devers, this was the perfect thing. You pay him until he's still serviceable. And like at the end of this deal, he could potentially be getting another contract. It's not like he's going to be limping to the finish. Like, like we saw kind of pool holes at the end of his mega deal or Miguel Cabrera, like Raphael Devers could still be an elite player. And if he ages like David Ortiz did, he's still got another like three, four years left in him of being a really good producer. So anyone who hates on this deal, you're doesn't know what they're talking about. What did you want the Red Sox to do? So those are the same, the same people, the people hating on this deal are the same people that would have crapped all over the Red Sox if they had decided not to extend Devers. They're like, oh, yeah, what it, are you doing? How do you let him go? It's just the idiot fans that every single move the Red Sox make, they have a problem with because they don't actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a phenomenal deal. And you know why this deal was good and good value? It's because you actually had the conversations and extended him before he reached free agency, before he got to the point where any team in the league could talk to him and teams were bidding against each other. The only person you were bidding against was yourself. You were, The Red Sox were the only team talking to Rafael Devers, which is why you could get him for this team. I'm not going to call it team-friendly because it's $330 million, but this good value deal. Um, and it, I wish they did that with Mookie Betts. Uh, or Xander Bogarts, but at least we got one finally. And uh, people can't really say, "Oh, we can't maintain our stars anymore" because we got our star. And this may be unfair. I don't know. Maybe it's just recency bias, heat of the moment. But out of the the main few people that we've lost recently, um, or the or the big stars that we had to negotiate contracts with, I'd say that Rafael Devers is probably the best one out of Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, um, John Lester, even. I'd say Rafael Devers is probably the biggest, the biggest name, the biggest priority. Yeah. Yeah. Because he also said he wanted to be here. Like he mm -hmm. said that time and time again. Yeah. And Mookie Betts has fallen off since he left Boston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the, the next newest Red Sox member, Carlos Correa. <laughs> yeah. No. We spent this whole episode talking about how they're building for the future, but no, they're going to give throw Correa. that all away. Give Correa whatever. 200, 400 million. Correa. Whatever. Yeah. Could happen. No. Who knows? It, it, it could happen. It could happen. I don't want it to happen. I wouldn't. There's a reason why he's having all these troubles with these deals. There's something wrong with them medically. I don't know like because there's going to be, there's going to be something wrong with him in 
in 10 years mm. like that that's that's the reason he the, the thing that's holding this up he has a metal plate in his ankle he's had it in his ankle since 2014 and i think people are realizing that a guy if you're gonna give a guy a contract until he's like 40 and he has a plate <laughs> yeah it's ankle, a big investment it's not gonna fare well i so my proposal is uh, let's give Correa three years, 110, with an opt-out after the second year so that he can hit free agency at age 30 and he can still get an- another mega deal. Um, I don't think it'll happen at this point because I think something's like close with the with the Mets, but if the Mets yeah. fall through and that somehow happens, you got the core Correa connection, uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see. It'd you be know, interesting. Correa, or, uh, Correa could just do us a favor, play for league men. <laughs> just do us a favor yeah why not you like alex cora you know you want to play together yeah we, we'll yeah. even give him a little more than league minimum we'll give him a million dollars a year do him a favor one million dollars yeah i mean if i was offered a million dollars for red Sox, i'd take it i'm not out here making a million dollars you're not out here making a million dollars that's a lot of money right i think he should take that absolutely have you looked at the um the MLB at bat app, like if you look at the Red Sox roster, it's just a mess. Have you seen this? Yes. I was still trying shows... to the roster and it's just Yeah, you still got Jake Diekman on it, Nathan Avaldi, uh Rich Hill is still on it. Hansel Robles, Hirokazu Saramora, Matt Strom, Phillips Valdez, Michael Walker, all these guys who are just not on our team. Wait, is Chris... Kowaki still on the Rangers? No, but his hat on our Red Sox roster says Rangers. You got Christian Vasquez still on this. Frenchie Cordero, Eric Hosmer. Uh, this is really Huge funny gang. to look at. Travis Shaw, for whatever reason. Some dude named Carlos Sanchez. Wait, Xander's that's Yolmer Sanchez. That is not Yolmer Sanchez. Yes, it is. That is Yolmer Sanchez. Wait, what? He changed his name. He changed his name to Carlos? He, oh, my God. He, it is Yolmer Sanchez. Yeah, he changed he his name to Carlos. Carlos. What? All right. That's his middle name, it says, so that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, still got Jack Bradley Jr., Tommy Pham. What's Tommy Pham doing? He's still free agent? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm okay with not getting him back. Yeah, because his defense wouldn't be better than Verdugo's and right, so he's not really worth it. JD makes me very sad seeing JD in a Dodgers hat, not going to lie. First time I've seen it. If there was any team for him to go to, that's the team I would want him to go to, though. Yeah, it makes me it makes me happy that him and Mookie are back together. JD's gonna be so good next year too. Probably he's, he's back with his his like personal hitting coach. He's gonna be exactly. so good. Back with his personal hitting coach. Back with his best friend playing in LA. He can fish all the time. And Perfect. I I bet I bet you can't fish well out in LA though. Maybe you can't fish well, but you can sure take a boat out. Yeah, you can take a boat out. Yeah. Just like he does in Florida, it's perfect. Anything Julio loves, it's it's fishing, fishing and hitting, fishing and hitting. Just like Mitch Moreland. <laughs> Never forget Mitch Moreland built a barn, or he turned his barn into a batting cage. I was so jealous of his barn batting cage when that video came out. I'm like, this is so awesome. Sick. How do I make this? I how do I acquire a barn and then make it a batting cage? Because that looked awesome. Real. 
I miss Mitch Moreland. He underrated. Like he's one of my favorite Red Sox players of all time. Absolutely. I met him too. Good dude. Gigantic hands. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It. He's got paws. I shook his hand and paws. it was like it, it like wrapped my entire arm. It was huge. I believe it. Good dude. I miss him. I wonder what he did he even play in MLB this year? No, I don't think so. Oh, I think he's it. just kind of. I think he's done. I don't think he's. Did he? I don't know if he. Hmm. I don't think he, he officially retired. Twenty-one. I thought. No, no, he definitely didn't officially retire. He's still kicking somewhere. Let me. Uh, let me he look. Played at eighty-one name. games for the for the A's in twenty-one. In twenty-one, yeah, that makes sense. You know what? Why don't we just sign him? Oh, let's talk about this. I forgot about this. What was up with those Yuli Gurriel rumors? I don't know. That was weird. It was the same was dude. From, it was Bayerga, yeah. Yeah, the same dude who broke the Rafael Devers news um, before anyone else really had it said that the Red Sox signed Gurriel. Not that they were in talks with him, that they, they signed him. Yeah. Um, which just made no sense to me. Uh, Chris Cotillo said that he saw the, the Guriel rumors to me, it's redundant on the roster, blah, 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 not getting the indication. Anything is imminent there. Um, so what's his name? Bayerga. Yeah. Yeah. So he's had some, some swings and misses. He said some things that were happening that just didn't happen. Um, so he's been wrong before, so that's not out of the question here. Um, and honestly, if I had to guess, I'd say that's probably what the case is. I don't think this is actually a thing that's happening because it doesn't fit. I don't understand why we would sign Yuri Guriel because he's a first baseman DH. Who else is a first baseman DH who's old? Justin Turner. It's the yeah. exact same thing, but a worse player. And we don't have a need for it because we just signed Justin Turner. Um, the only thing that makes sense is the fact that Guriel is uh, connected to Alex Cora. Like, obviously, he played for him. Um, and stuff. So that's the only really reason why I could see that, that deal happening, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, especially because Justin Turner is a right-handed hitter and you, Yuli Gurriel is a right-handed hitter. So it's not like that. It's the same player, but worse. They, they're it the doesn't make player. sense. Yeah. It, even if you trade, even if you go crazy and trade Tristan Costas to the Marlins or whatever that is, um, and you need another first baseman, why would it be Yuli Gurriel when you have, Justin, Tur- like it just, there, yeah. There's no scenario well, for me. Well, where that it makes also sense. brings us back to the, well, eh, maybe not. I was. Plus, you still about- technically have Bobby Dahl back, technically. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they're not going to be able to trade Dahlbeck and Duran. I thought about this last night because they DFA Darwinson Hernandez. Yeah, which reminded did. me, like, there's not a team out there that's willing to trade for Dahlbeck or, or Duran. Like it would have happened already, probably. It would have happened already because I, I, I really do think that they're just aggressively shopping these guys for scraps. It's weird to me though because I don't know. Maybe it's because um, I saw them be really highly regarded prospects. But if I was another team, I would a hundred percent trade for those guys. I would. I would because I their would value is not high. Sure. Their value is not high at all. Um, and they again were once top prospects. They. With a change of scenery, who knows what can happen? We've seen it happen with so many different guys where just getting a change of scenery does so much and they break out. Um, 
And so if I'm like a team like, I, I don't know, the, the Marlins even or the Reds or whoever, um, like uh, a team that's not really on the verge of contending that could take a, a flyer for a guy like that, I would absolutely take Dahlbeck or Duran or both. Yeah. So it's weird to me that the trade hasn't happened um, because even like you don't have a spot for them on the team right now. So it's not like you're trying to trade them for uh, an all-star player. I like, I don't understand why you can't just trade Bobby Dahlbeck for some depth guy or trade him for yeah. some, some small, like you piece. That's the, that's the type of guy that like Dahlbeck is the type of type of player that you would trade for like, that lottery ticket prospect where exactly they, yes. they've never really put it together, but it's, it's worth stashing them in their, in your system just in case. Yeah. I don't know why that hasn't happened. Um, but also the trademark has just been dead. Like there have been no trades happening. Really? I don't know why that's the case too. I think, I think it's just, everyone's afraid to be the loser of a trade. I really do. I guess. Um, I don't know. I like trades. I think they're cool. I make a I lot of trades, trades in fantasy football. I I, I, I can't do make trades in fantasy football for the same reason. No one ever wants to trade. Yeah, they don't want to give away their own players. And it's a whole... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but there's some GMs out there who love trading, like Jerry Depoto. Like he, yes. He's a maniac for trades. Uh, AJ Preller loves trading. I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe we'll see a trade. Maybe maybe now that the the um the free agent market is pretty much dwindled out, maybe teams will resort to trading, kind of start those talks up. We'll see. You know what's crazy? Pitchers and catchers report in like thirty five days. Yeah, just over a month. That is that is crazy. That's crazy. It doesn't feel like it. <laughs> That's I mean, kind of scary, actually. I don't. Over. It's scary for us because we normally, normally, if you said that to me at most other years, I'd be like, Oh, awesome. I get to watch the Red Sox. I'm so excited. But you saying that scares me because, Oh God, we only have 35 days to possibly not have to watch Nick Pavetta open (laughs) opening day. Oh, Realistically, yeah. is it Nick Pavetta? Would he be the opening day starter? Who else There's no there? way. There's no way. Just anyone else, please. I wish we played the Yankees again opening day because Raphael Devers is going to haunt Garrett Cole for the next indefinitely. He's just going to haunt Garrett Cole indefinitely. The rest of his life. All yeah. for it. Who do we play? Oh, we play Baltimore? Yeah. At Fenway. That's like the first time in a in forever that the Red Sox have opened at home. Or at least that's what it feels like. I feel like they definitely opened at home last year too. Did they, no. They opened or the year before. They opened at home either last year or the year before, I want to say. Huh. Let me see. Twenty two. Nah. Oh, supposed that's right. To open- they they opened in Yankee Stadium last year. That's right. They were supposed to open at home in 2020. That's, so, yeah. Well, technically they did. All right. That was in July. There you, go. there you go. What? That's something. Yeah. Never. I'll never forget that game when we hung like 10 on the Orioles and everyone was like, oh my God, the Sox are ready. 
here come the socks and, and and then just no nope nope one thing that uh one last thing that i kind of want to talk about i was talking with my uh uncle i want to say about this or my cousin I, don't know, I was talking to someone about this um something i'd like to see the red Sox possibly do is kind of what the celtics did with brad stevens i would love to see alex cora as like a gm oh yeah I've said this in the past. I'm all for it Maybe because Alex Cora <laughs> will be a front office. Mm-hmm. He will be a GM in a, in a few years. Like that's already been, he's already said it. Like that's something that's going to happen. I just and, have this vision of Alex Cora taking over for Heim Bloom and then like Dust Majora being named the manager. It'd be insane. It'd be, it'd have to be Veritech, you'd think, right? No, I don't think Veritech would be. I don't think Veritech's ever going to be the manager. I don't think. I know that they don't want to put like that pressure on him. I don't think he's cut out for it, honestly. I don't think he has the personality for it. I don't know. Obviously, he's a great baseball mind and like a good coach, but I I just don't think he could be the the guy, the manager. Versus Pedroia has that that fire and that influence, and I think he could do it. Pedroia did he was he was the coach of his son's little league team and there I'm pretty sure they went undefeated. So there, you, there go. you go. He's got the track record. He's walking to that office for that interview with a crazy good resume already. Yeah, he walks in with that little league trophy. He's like, Yeah, you see that? You see I that? won that. I coached That's these all kids me. to that. That's all me. You want that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> People sleep on how much of a savage Pedroia was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Do you remember that one interview? Uh, I forget what he was asked, but he's like, man, I don't know. I just want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorites all the time. Was that from? I, I think that was from 2012. It had to be. Probably. That'd be a year where you just want to go home. <laughs> yeah, he was like. All-time Dustin Pedroia interview is obviously the laser show one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What was that? Or was that when he said, like, or, you know, I know we were too young for this, but the 07 World Series, you know how, like, he couldn't get into the stadium because they didn't believe he wasn't he was a player? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, go tell Steve Francis, and then he homered off of him. I remember, I think, like, the media was talking about how he, like, wasn't hitting homers or whatever. And he's like, you see that laser show, baby, or whatever. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's that's like, that's that's like the one of the best nicknames of all time. Laser, laser show. show, incredible. You know what? We're we should call um Yoshida Laser Show. What does he get called? He's Macho Man, right? That was his name out in Japan. Yeah, Macho or something. I like that Macho Man. Nicknames is huge. You got to have good nicknames to be a good team. Everyone knows this. Yeah. I mean, you got Justin Turner. He's Red Santa. Um, (laughs) You got... uh, Yeah. You got Kike. Kike. Cool name. Oh yeah, no, you're really selling me right now. <laughs> uh, who could forget? They got to, you know, they got to bring back Ken, players Ken weekend. Uh huh. 
They got to bring back Players Weekend where all the players wear their, their nicknames on the back of the jerseys. No, no. The Red Sox have never won a game on Players Weekend. No, the Red Sox never won a game on Players Weekend with Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez and Nathan Vol- We don't have any of those guys anymore. That's true. You're This right. is a brand new team who can win on Players Weekend. Our goal at the end of every year is to win on Players Weekend. Yeah. No more sweeps. I mean, look yeah. at what we did in the City Connect uniforms. Those better be coming back next year. First off, oh, they should be. They should be um an annual. They should be every year now, like forever. Absolutely, absolutely. Those are like I love seeing the people that are upset about them too. Like, Me too. They're, they're the Red the Sox. How can they wear yellow? <laughs> They're not the yellow socks. They're not the yellow socks. It's like their whole life is just comes crashing down. My life Everything I believed was true is a lie. The red socks? What? What, what color are their socks? I'm so confused. Uh. All right. Um on that yeah. note, we should probably wrap it up here. Yeah, um, I think so. Raphael Devers forever. He is in Boston. He is, he is here for the rest of his career. Um, He's going to be probably. buying a lot of ice cream. Dude, what how, What do you think, honestly, that that kid is buying? He has no idea what to do with it. A bike? Maybe a skateboard? He is going to buy... I want this. I want an interview with him. I want to know what he is buying with that money. Cause he's got to be buying some stupid thing that is just so Raphael Devers. Like, yeah, seriously. I, I can't even, I bought a giant bounce house to put outside. Yeah. He said, I bought bunk beds just for me. <laughs> sometimes I, I like that. being on the top bunk. Sometimes I like being on the bottom bunk. So I got to have both. Yeah. All right. Yep. Um, Thanks for joining us this week on the Nick Out Podcast. We will see you next time.